Hey there, I'm Denzea, and this is Market Scale Grow, a podcast created for ambitious teacherpreneurs looking to have a bigger impact on the world, achieve freedom, flexibility, and ultimately make more money. With weekly strategy sessions and inspiring stories from fellow teachers just like you, my goal here is to help you create a customized marketing strategy so you can grow your teacher business beyond your wildest dreams. Okay, so before we jump into the episode, I am super excited to share a brand new freebie with you. It's my targeting ideas for Facebook ads. If you've dabbled in Facebook ads or you've done them and you've tried them and you're just looking for some fresh inspiration for your audiences, this freebie is for you. I share my top Facebook ad targeting groups for you so that you can have inspiration and find those people that are perfect for what you have to offer. From warm audiences to cool lookalike audiences to cold interest-based audiences, I cover all three in this freebie. Head to marketscalegrow.com forward slash audiences to grab your copy today. Today, I'm talking with Shelly from the Teacher VA. Welcome to Market Scale Grow, Shelly. How are you? I'm good, Jenzea. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk with you and talk to all the teachers out there listening to you today. Yeah, I'm so excited to, to have you and for you to share a bit of your journey with us. Can you start by telling us who you are, where you're from, and if you are still in the classroom? Sure. So I'm Shelly. I am from the Midwest. I live just outside of Des Moines in Iowa. Um, I am a happy Midwest girl. I love the farms. I love all the open spaces. Um, It's my happy place, truly. I was a teacher for, I would say 11 or 12 years because for the life of me, I can't quite figure out which one it is. And I think it's because you throw student teaching in there. And that just like adds that extra half year that kind of puts you in between things. So I think it was technically 11 with that extra semester of student teaching on top of it. Um, So I usually just say like around a decade. I I taught for around a decade. But I was a high school ELA teacher, a drama teacher, a speech teacher. I actually ended my career as a full-time eighth grade theater teacher. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of unexpected. It was a very, it was a decently large school district in the state of Iowa. Um, But I really enjoyed that particular position, but I am no longer in the classroom. I am now the owner and founder of Teacher VA, and I also work full-time as a virtual assistant. Oh, busy, busy. Yes. Yes. And I have three kids at home and a husband who works from home. And so it's just kind of crazy times. Yeah, I can imagine. How did you get started as a VA and starting your business? Sure. So if people aren't familiar with the term, so VA is a virtual assistant. And I would say everything started probably in that 2017, 2018 time period. I was I actually just remember being in a tractor um, during harvest season. I know it's random. Um, looking up like jobs for teachers, like additional jobs, education related positions, education consulting, things like that. And I just could not find anything I was super excited about. And I don't even remember why I started looking. It was more that for some reason, I just wasn't happy with what I was doing. 
And I wasn't sure why, but just looking to see what my options were. And I would search for these positions and nothing really stuck. But through that path, I started like listening to podcasts and I started with the Business Boutique podcast um, through Ramsey Solutions. And then from there, I heard a person who was interviewed on there and it's like, oh my gosh, I love her voice. And then I started listening to her and then she interviewed somebody and I listened to that person. And the common theme was online business. I I was kind of going down this like online business rabbit hole of podcasting. And after probably a year and a half to two years of listening to these podcasts and gaining all of this knowledge, I knew that I was ready to enter that world. I just wasn't sure how. And when you leave teaching, I think the, the hardest thing is feeling financially stable enough to make that jump or take that step. And so then it was like, okay, I don't need my forever job. I don't need to figure out what I'm going to do when I'm grow up right now. I just need to figure out what I'm going to do right now. And so I need to find something right now that will make me money. And I heard somebody interviewed talking about virtual assisting and they explained like this could be freelancing. So this could be that you write for blogs or it could be that you run social media for somebody Or you could just like help teachers create TPT products. And it was like, okay, I can do that. Those are almost all things that I do on a daily basis anyway. Why don't I try that? So I took a course that kind of taught me how to do some virtual assistant like things and kind of showed me how to get hired on as a virtual assistant. But it wasn't until 2019 fall, I had put together a portfolio. I'd done a couple testimonial projects like for random people just to see if I could make a Pinterest pin (laughs) and if I could edit things. I I was an English teacher. I was really good at the editing thing. And then I went back to school in the fall of 2019 and it was like, okay, school's okay again, right? I was a theater teacher. I was having fun. It It was great until later that fall, I decided to go to a professional development opportunity in my state. And that particular professional development opportunity was one of the, like the only thing offered in my state that actually talked about my particular field of teaching. It was the only thing that talked about speech or theater in any capacity. And I had to take a personal day to go to it. And I only get two person here. I know. And, And it was like, that doesn't seem right. And so I was a little bit bitter, just a, just a tad. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and I went to this professional development act opportunity that happened to be in a hotel. Um, I didn't spend the night at the hotel. I didn't have the money for that because I would have had to pay out of my own pocket. Um, so I drove there both days. So I was sitting in the lobby of this hotel where this conference was taking place. And I was on my personal computer and a couple opportunities popped up that people were looking for virtual assistants. And I kind of had this thought like, okay, it's October or November at that point. I think late October is what it technically was. And it's like, okay, if I'm going to leave the classroom this year, then I need to take a step, you know, and, and if something happens great. And if it doesn't, I'm good for another year. It's not like I'm dying to get out. Right. And so I replied to these messages I sent along my portfolio, which had been sitting there doing nothing for like three months and just like, let it be. I literally just sent the emails and walked away. And I didn't even check that email account for a while. 
let it be. It was, yeah, <laughs> I know. Like you would think that I had a little more like drive I'm to pissantly, like refresh, refresh, refresh. Yeah. But it was one of those things. It's like the likelihood of me getting these positions probably isn't real high, you know, but at least I did something. And I think that that was kind of the clarity for me was you did something. Good job. You finally took a step. You've been listening to podcasts for two years. You know, all this online business stuff, like a ton of online business stuff and did something like, yay, you know, now grab your diet Coke and go into the conference and you know, sometimes that very first step is the hardest part too, of sending off that first portfolio is terrifying, but then it, it gets is. easier every single time you do it. Oh yeah. I don't even blink now. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things that I feel very confident in my skills and in what I'm doing now that it's just here, just take it. You can have it. Let's set up a call. <laughs> Let's do that. And so it, it just completely changed. But that first thing was so daunting, I guess. And like I said, I, I had done, started doing stuff for this, like in June. I mean, so this was sitting there for a long time and then I didn't pay too much attention to it. But then two, three weeks later, I had a particularly bad day at school. Um, it was just one of those situations where there was an issue with a student and I did not feel supported by the administration. Mm. Like it was unsafe for me. It was unsafe for the other students in my room. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I felt completely helpless and out of control. And I, I rarely felt unsupported by my administration. But in that particular instance, I left that school crying. And I think a lot of teachers can connect with that, of having those particularly bad days where you can't figure out how to fix the situation because your hands are tied. Yeah. And, and that sucked. It, it really sucked being in that situation. And I... On my way home, there was a park that I frequently stopped at to walk at before I picked up my kids from daycare. And I stopped there and I opened up my email and I just randomly thought like, okay, I'm going to check my other email, my business email, the business that didn't really exist yet, but my business email. And I opened it up and I had a re- two responses from the emails that I had sent out. And to me, that was like a sign. <laughs> like mm. okay, I had a really, really bad day at school. You've been thinking about leaving for a while. And now all of a sudden you have these two emails pop through of people who wanted to know more or they wanted to set up a call with me or whatever. Less than later that weekend, I had my first discovery call. Within a week, I had my first position as a virtual assistant. And then all of a sudden it became really very real, very, very real. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Like this is actually a thing. People pay you to do this kind of stuff. A lot of times it's things I do every day as a teacher anyway, Things like editing, things like writing, just general tasks, like administrative tasks, email related stuff or whatever. And it's like, okay, this is a thing and people need help with this. And and that kind of changed my mindset completely is when you start thinking about the people that you're pitching to as needing you more than they need, like more than even more than you need them. And, and so then it kind of changes the way you hold yourself when you're talking to people, because it's like, I know that I have something you need. And I've, as a teacher, you kind of get that, but you kind of just fallen into teaching is what I do. It's what the person next door to me does. And, and so you don't really think of yourself as being, as having something different than what somebody else has. And, and I realized that as a teacher, I had a lot of skills that people needed outside of the classroom. And so I started pitching a little bit more. Eventually I sat down with my husband at a Mexican restaurant and I was having a margarita and I'm like, okay, I, I have to ask you what do I need to be making to be done? 
you know, and I wanted to put it on him because I, our insurance was going to be dependent on him. All things were going to have to kind of depend on him while I got my feet under me. And he said, the numbers he gave me were actually pretty low. He's like, I need you to make an extra $20,000 a year while you're still in the classroom. And then after that, if you can make at least 30 and then we'll deal with the kids as needed. So if the kids can go to daycare full time and we can afford that, great. If they can't, don't. But he says, I know you, you're going to grow your business well beyond that. And so, but that would be the starting point. If you know that you can make that much, great. Because that's more than a lot of first-year teachers, you know, in the United States. When I first started teaching, I was making 27. So it's like, okay, so I just need to make my first year teaching. And it's like, okay, that's doable. And so within two weeks, I had surpassed not only the first number, but the second number. Wow. Making over $3,000 a month as a virtual assistant from basically January to the end of my teaching career. And that it it was amazing how fast it happened once I decided that was what I was going to do. Do you feel like that actually making the decision had a big impact on how things did went? Absolutely. I think that we hem and haw over things all the time. You know, even as a teacher, I remember there were times that I would sit there and I would think about like, oh, you know, I could, I could teach the theater stuff, but just like in a, you know, club setting, or I could go and teach this to elementary school kids, or, you know, I could do all these things. And I was constantly running ideas through my head about what else I could do. And I just, I never made a decision about any of it. I just let it kind of sit there. And it was like these little dreams that would pop up in my head just throughout the day. And I think the reason I knew that I was ready to be done in the classroom is that I was teaching something that was a lot of fun. I taught stage combat. I taught stage makeup. I taught improv, acting, all of these really cool things. I was in like the ideal teaching situation for most teachers who do theater and speech and things like that. And it's still, I was still constantly dreaming about these other possibilities. And it was more scary for me to think about the fact that none of those things would ever happen than it was for me to take a step towards something. Um, Staying in the classroom was almost scarier because I wasn't sure I wanted to continue to do this for another 20 years. And that's, that's truly where I was at is I would be looking at at least 20 years to hit my retirement number. And so, you know, I think ultimately you come down to, you know, what's the lesser of the two evils. It's like, I can take a step and put myself out there. And if nothing happens, I'm right. I'm still sitting where I'm at right now. Like it literally does not change my teaching position. If I email this person and they want to work with me or they don't. It, it doesn't change anything about my day-to-day business. And so taking that first step was more of like a, why did you wait so long to do that? That's the nice thing about freelancing in the VA space is that you you can start to like tiptoe your way in while still having the security net of your teaching job. You don't have to just like quit teaching and then, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Absolutely. I actually, when I started teacherva.com and decided that I wanted to help other teachers supplement their income as virtual assistants, it was not because I wanted to help teachers leave the classroom. It was more that I just wanted them to have options. I didn't want them to feel stuck because that was starting to become a normal word that I was hearing every day as a teacher is that other teachers were telling me that they felt stuck. I didn't want that for them. And if you can become a virtual assistant and you can supplement your income and you can make an extra $7,000 a year by waking up one day earlier or one hour earlier every day, then that might just at least relieve something that allows you to take a vacation or you don't feel terrible about having to take an unpaid day because 
you need another mental health day or you know, you, you have just that extra freedom that you need. And if you decide that you're going to leave the classroom, it's the perfect exit ticket, mm-hmm. right? You, you can actually work. You can b- build your clients as you kind of work through the school year, and then you can leave and you can figure out what you want to do after that. And so I always tell people, I have no intention of being a virtual assistant forever. I virtual assisting is what got me out of the classroom so that I could figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Now I feel like I finally have kind of figured out what I want to do, not necessarily when I grow up, but at least for the next several years is I want to help other teachers feel like they have that option. And I think that the best thing that we can give our teachers is options. Yes. Very. That's such a powerful statement. I wholeheartedly agree with it. Um, So you started as a VA and now you have teachervacom where you're helping others. Can you talk about that transition? from being a VA yourself to now helping others? Yeah. So I think a lot of teacherpreneurs or teacher authors or whatever term you want to use for the people who already have teacher businesses can maybe relate with this, but sometimes it comes down to, you could stumble across a domain that's available. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And for me, that is 100% what happened is that I was thinking like, I really want, you know, to, I feel like there is a world where the online world and the teaching world or the educational world like clash and combine and and they become this great thing. And so I threw around things like, you know, the business of education, you know, and things like that. Of course, the domain is not available. I don't know who has it, but the domain is not available. And and you go through stuff because I just see so many places where the online business world really should like needs to be inserted into the educational experience because there's so many great things that would make teaching so much better if you knew about them, right? So things like using project management systems, that's something that's totally a thing in the online business world, but it's not a thing in the teaching world, even though that's who runs more projects at once than teachers. And so things like Trello and Asana and ClickUp and all these systems, and it's like, oh my gosh, it'd be so great if somebody would just teach teachers how to use this stuff or even teach students how to use these things and kind of set them up with these awesome tools. Or Canva for creating, you know, resources or Loom for giving feedback on projects or, you know, like all of these different tools that are in the online business world. So I kept trying to come up with a way to meld those things. And then the pandemic happened and I had a bunch of teachers. I I had resigned before the pandemic in February and I had a bunch of teachers as I was cleaning out my room and stuff that I would, you know, pass in the hallway from 10 feet away and it'd be like, you're so lucky that you have something else. And I I remember thinking like, I'm not lucky. You know, it had nothing to do with luck. It was, I just had options. I mean, and that's what it came down to was I had an option. And, and when they would say that to me, it's like, I need, there's some, I need to help. Like I need to find a way to help these people not feel this way because that's the last person I want teaching my kid is the kid who is the teacher who feels like they don't, they don't want this anymore. And it's okay to not want it anymore. And I don't think we tell teachers that enough. And so it actually, it was right after I cleaned out my classroom is when I came across the domain teacher VA and I started, I was like, can't believe that's available, but (laughs) that's like all domain searches, right? (laughs) All of a sudden it was like, okay, teacherva.com is about helping teachers have options. And the best way to give them options is to present them with something that helps them to make money, supplement their income, whether they want to stay in the classroom or not. And then eventually, if something happens, maybe just one day they decide like they want to be a mechanic and so they're ready to leave the school system, 
then great. They have some money put aside. They have a, a, a job that will help get them through that transition. And then they can go be, be a mechanic. And I think that that's important. We should not be held down to the career that we chose as 18 year olds. And I want to make sure that teachers have that exit ticket if they want it, or they just have a way to make extra money so they can do fun things. Yes. Oh, I love it. We were talking before we started recording um, just for, and you are so passionate about this. Like it comes through in what you're saying now, but then our previous conversation as well, just like you are so passionate about it. And it's so refreshing to hear this per, like perspective and somebody who is so in tune to the world of teaching and the online business and making it happen together. Thank you. I, I, I truly, truly care about all the teachers that are out there. And I also care about a lot of people from my generation. I'm 35 years old, people who, you know, they've, they've been doing whatever they've been doing for 15, 16 years, or that's, they decided that that was when they were going to do the thing that they're doing. And I've had a lot of conversations recently where I just felt like somebody needed permission to be done or permission to move on or permission to dream. And if I can be the person who says, just do it. Like if you need permission, I will give you that permission. You need to dream. And sometimes teachers are, feel like that they have given their everything to the education profession. And that's not necessarily a good reason to keep doing it because a lot of teachers like people my age are looking at 20 more years in this profession. And if it's not working now, it's not going to be working 20 years from now. And so I I am very passionate about it. And I am willing to be that person that says like, you need to dream, you need to go out, you need to see what else is in the world. And then if you still want to do this, like, or if you, you've decided like the rest of the world, it's terrible. I don't want to do that. I love teaching. Like, this is great. Sometimes you just need that. You just need to exit for a moment just to figure out what you loved. And then, and then you come back and there's, believe it or not, you're going to be able to get another teaching job. So even if you leave, you're, you don't have to be gone forever. Maybe you just need to take 10 years off and then go back. Um, but you need to have that option. Yeah. Yeah. I, that little part like resonates with me, my personal story, because I'm going back to the classroom after being off for almost a year and a half. Um, and I'm so excited about it. I was like ready to have some time off. And I, when I decided that I was going back, I'm only going back part-time, but I just remember feeling like excited about it. And like, I'm so ready to be back in the classroom with students and to be like, have that part of my life back. I, I'm not at the point right now where I could imagine my life without teaching, but I also love the freedom and flexibility that I have with this, this business that I have as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I I think you enjoy it more because you know, it's not your everything. Yeah. And I actually, I wrote a blog post kind of early on in teacher VA that was like five reasons teachers need a side hustle to have nothing to do with money. And, And one of the things on there was, that we just need something we have control over, you know, complete control over where nobody else affects the, you know, the decisions that you make in that thing, because it's your thing. Something that's different than education because everybody has a hand in the things that you're doing in the educational world. But, you know, another thing on there was just that you, you develop new skills and you actually appreciate what you have more because you've experienced something else. So just those new experiences and so I think that like for you, that you have this, this kind of new, exciting thing, you have this thing that you enjoy doing, you know, in the background, it makes you, it'll probably make you a better teacher, right? Because 
teaching isn't your everything. And when, when things become our everything and we're obsessive about it and we think too much about it, then we don't do anything well, right? Yes. We're too close to the problem. Where if you can take a step away, all of a sudden you appreciate that again. And I think that that's great. I think, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like if you can just get a step away for a year, two years, you can get, then take a step back in and you can be all in again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like having so many like personal epiphanies during this conversation. (laughs) So true. So what have been some of the major like milestones and challenges that you've faced as you've grown your, your business? I think I'm I'm not, I'm not sure if it would have been different without the pandemic or not. Um, So with the pandemic, some major issues that came about was that I left teaching with the intention of scaling not scaling my virtual assistant business, but really getting teacher VA off the ground and starting to move forward. And then all of a sudden, my son, who was a kindergartner in the fall of 2020, was home full time. Great online learner. And so I had to sit next to him for every single kindergarten lesson. And I now have a whole new respect for kindergarten and preschool teachers. I, <laughs> you know, as a secondary teacher, I taught mostly middle school and high school. I had not been in the experience where you have these 20, 30 kids in this you know, space and you're trying to teach them all the letter A at the same time. And it, it was very eye-opening as far as what that looked like for those teachers. And it was, it was actually, it was very interesting. I, I learned a lot, but that put my building a business on hold. Mm-hmm. My working hours were now going toward sitting next to my son and trying to talk him into doing activities. But during that time, I also found out that a lot of the things I was already, I was doing in my business, I could actually like implement into his program. And so he wasn't a great student virtually. He's actually a very good student in the classroom, but he was not a good student virtually but I wanted his teacher to kind of see how he processed. And so Loom is one of my favorite tools that I use for recording my screen and stuff. And so she would have him jump on some programs and I wanted her to see how he thought through these problems. And so I would click on my little Loom extension and he would, I would say, talk to your teacher. She's going to be able to see this video, talk to your teacher while you're doing it. And so I have all these really cute videos from when he was doing kindergarten of him talking through how he was creating a pattern oh, and, so cool. you know, create blocks of 10 and the ones and, and all of those random little math things that they do in kindergarten and how he was writing his name and the things he was thinking about while he was writing his name. And then I got to share them with the teacher and I always said, watch it on one and a half times because they're really long because this is a kindergartner working through this process, but you'll learn a lot about him by doing that. And so it's just those little things. Like I found that the things I had done, I was doing as a virtual assistant could be helpful in those educational experiences, even for him. So even though my business was not growing at the time, I was seeing again, how that educational world and that online business world could meet and actually support each other better. Another thing is the teacher was having a particularly hard time with one of the activities that they were doing on Google slides. And I looked at it and it's like with a little bit of Canva magic and a little bit of background knowledge in Google slides that the average teacher doesn't have, I can fix this. And so my son was working on something else and I jumped on my personal computer and I basically recreated the project that she was just having them do, but I did it in a way that would solve the issue of like kids moving things they weren't supposed to move and all of those things. And that was something I knew because of my virtual assisting. And so 
I think that even though I had to take some time off from building Teacher VA, I was seeing all the ways that these two worlds could come together. And that actually spawned the first like paid product that I created, which was all about using, taking those tools and teaching teachers how to use them in the classroom, but then also saying, but if you want to make extra money using these same exact tools, this is how they're used in the online business world. Right. Just to help bridge that gap between those two things. And so like I created this random little project called classroom rules for VA tools. And so it was, that's exactly what it is, is it's like, I'm going to show you how to make cool teacher stuff, but also going to make sure that you're fully knowledgeable of how, how this works in the online business world as well. So that we're maybe helping to bridge that gap because I do feel like that gap is a little too big. Yeah. I found that too. So many things that I'm learning now and it just opened my eyes to a different way that I could run in the, in the classroom and use them in the classroom. And I'll be like, where was this all the time? And then I'll find out that bi- the business world uses things like SOPs, the standard operating yes. procedures. Never crossed my mind to like really think of it in that way. Now I do have systems and procedures and things in place, but the intensity of SOPs and the business world, yes. I can totally take back to my classroom and it'll be so much better. So yeah, there's tons of interconnections that just have never been made and should be. Yeah, I actually went back to school and um, created a standard operating procedure for sub plans. Oh, like subs are much more likely to want to sub in your building if they know what to expect. And if every person in the building sub plan looks like this and has these certain things on the first page, the teachers, the sub is never looking for like where the emergency numbers are. It's not different person's packet or whatever. So I actually like went back and said, hey. Like I have this idea for a standard operating procedure pertaining to how we prepare and present our sub plans because we were had a sub shortage. And so we needed to start doing anything we could to make a sub's life easier in our school district or in our particular building. Well, and having that document with all the numbers already written out and all of the everything that they need and you just have to like plug your specifics in also makes the teacher's job easier, not trying to like. Thing. They just know, okay, I take this document, I fill in this, 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 and everything else is exactly how it needs to be. And we're good. We're good to go. Yeah. And so it was just one of those things, but that was coming off that SOP concept of we should have an SOP for this. And why don't we have an SOP? And it's like, oh yeah, because the educational world doesn't think in SOPs. I feel like I need a shirt that says that we need an SOP. <laughs> we need an SOP for that. <laughs> I agree. But it's, it's truly like, that's what I noticed in the fall. So even though I wasn't able to build my business much in the fall because of that, and then we decided that we wanted to move to a small town. So we moved outside the city to a small town. And so that took up more time. And so what I realized is that unlike teaching, which you do every day and you have this thing that your business, you have to have some kind of willpower or you just will never work on it. You have to have some self-discipline because it's easy not to work on something that doesn't really exist yet. Yes. So if you're going to build a business, you have to treat it like your everyday job. And so now there are certain hours that I work every day that are consistent. And, and I make time to go work out and I make time to do other things. And, and I have more time to do those things. But I do have certain times every day that I sit down and do this. And so that's that was definitely something that I had to figure out in the fall, not making basically any progress for six months definitely made that more real for me. It's so much easier to 
get up and go to work when there's somebody who's going to fire you if you don't. <laughs> yes. It's funny to talk to people about my boss and how terrible she is all the time. And, and it's not you. What are you? And then they're, they're eventually like, wait, aren't you your own boss? I'm like, I know. And I'm so hard on myself. <laughs> How, how did you kind of come to a schedule that works for you? Did you have to go through like iterations or like testing things out? Like, yes, yes. Because after having every single moment of your day scheduled out as a teacher, like down to the four minutes that you have to go to the bathroom and your 17 to 20 minutes, depending on passing period, lunch and all that, it's really hard not to just like go crazy. It's kind of like with a kid that if you tell them that they now can stay up as late as they want. They stay up until like midnight or 2 2 a.m., you know, because they don't have any rules. And then they realize why that's not a good thing. I was I basically went through that growing pain of realizing that just letting myself have a free for all was not going to get anything done. I get to take my kids to school, which I love. I love being able to take my kids to school and take them to daycare. And then from there, I go to the gym and I work out and then I come home and I basically work from usually like 10 to one or two o'clock, um, depending on the day. There's certain days that I'm trying to do certain client work and I try to do all that client work in one day. And so then I might just go until my alarm goes off telling me to go pick up my kids. And so once my alarm t- goes off and I go pick up my kids, then I try to be done for the day. And try is kind of the key word there. You, you want to do that extra hour of work or whatever. And that's what I'm trying to get better at is just being done at 3.30 when the kids get off school instead of coming back and feeling like I, sh- I should just go ahead and do a couple more things. But that seems to be like my best schedule. I don't want to be somebody who works all in the evenings. I don't want to work on the weekends if I don't have to. And so I have been purposefully keeping my virtual assistant business smaller to give myself time to work on teacher VA and make sure that that's growing. But where some people would be at the point that they're at in their virtual assistant business and they'd be looking to scale I'm not necessarily looking to scale that part of my business anymore. I'm really happy with the clients I have right now. They're very consistent and I know what to expect every week. I can tell you exactly what I need to do from week to week for my clients. It's very safe, you know, and you feel like you have, you know, just everything under control. And I think when, especially in teaching, a lot of people stay in teaching because it's a safe job and it's, you know, what to expect and all of that. And I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get there with virtual assisting. And I would say that early on, I made the mistake of trying to take on too many things at once. It was so easy to find clients that I just kept taking clients. And then I realized that that's not necessarily the best thing for me as far as organizationally, is that I need to have just four or five clients that I serve really well, who pay me well, so that I can have just that consistency that month to month revenue. So I'm not a person that just takes on random projects. I'm not a person who does that kind of work. All of my clients are on retainer. I know exactly what's coming every month. I know what I need to do to serve them well. And then once I'm done kind of doing my things for them, then I can spend the rest of the week working on building teacher VA and making sure that that's moving forward as well. Longer term, do you see teacher VA taking over and your retainer work kind of coming to an end or do you want to keep doing both at the same time? No, I fully intend to stop client work eventually. I think that, you know, the goal is to train other teachers to be great virtual assistants. And so I feel perfectly confident that I will come across the person that I can say, you know what, you would be perfect at replacing me with this client. 
you know, and basically just handing that client off to a person who will be great for them. And I am, I'm, I'm close to my clients and I feel very close to their businesses. And so it's important to me that I don't just send them out to the pastures and say, try to find somebody else. I want to make sure that I help to support them in transitioning, making sure that all of those little things that are in my head get put down on paper so that they're ready to move on to the next person. Because for a lot of these people, I was their first virtual assistant. And so I want to make sure that I'm taking care of those clients because they have been very good to me, very consistent, and I appreciate them. And I, I want to make sure that I leave them with a person who they can grow with, who will hopefully do the job better than I did. And you're in a uniquely special position helping to train new VAs that you can find that perfect person and be like, oh, I have a perfect client for you. And I'll make that like matchmaking. Yeah. I actually just had a situation happen recently. My sister decided to leave the classroom and she's become a virtual assistant. And I had a situation where somebody in one of my coaching groups came up and said that they needed a virtual assistant. And I read their little thing. I'm like, my sister would be great for you. Like absolutely great. And I want to make that connection. And I've had a lot of people in the coaching groups that I'm in say, you know, we would trust people you would recommend, you know, because we know that you're helping to train them. We know that they have you as a support system, which that's always the goal when you're building a course or you're building a business is that you want to support the people who are coming through your program and make sure they're successful. And because I'm really pushing that teachers supplement their income as virtual assistants, you know, especially to start, a teacher doesn't need four or five clients. They need one. They need one great client. And if I can help them find that one great client who's willing to pay them an hour for five hours a week. That's literally waking up one hour earlier every day. And then at the end of the year, if they're making $30 an hour, five days a week, or even 48 weeks of the year, so they take a full month off of that, they're still making over $7,000. So think about what you could do with an extra $7,000, right? But if they get $40 an hour, which I haven't been paid less than $40 an hour for a long time, then now you're looking at $10,000, for that one client. So if I can help you find that one client who's willing to pay you well, that you feel like you can serve well, then we're setting you up to for a life-changing amount of money. Totally, totally life-changing. Wow. Let's make sure that I train people to have that confidence to be able to, and the skill set to demand that price, but also to help them find all of these great people in the online business world who need the services that they offer. So yeah, a little bit of matchmaker in there. I love it. Um, you already said that you're not looking for newer trainer clients, but how are you growing the teacher VA side of the business, like marketing it or. Yeah. So up to this point, it's been mostly organic, just randomly posting in Facebook groups and things like that. Like if somebody's looking for, you know, I'm a teacher, what can I do? I'll just say, Hey, if you want to learn about virtual assisting, I have this site. I try not to be overly pushy about it. It's just kind of throw the site out there. If you're interested, take a look. Um, And that has grown my email list kind of organically just over time. It's not huge, but it's there. And then I'm starting a paid marketing strategy through Facebook and Pinterest ads Um, just right now within the next week. Those things will be going live. And I'm not afraid of doing that. I'm not afraid of paid marketing. And because the other thing is, is that being a virtual assistant and having consistent retainer clients is that I've been putting money aside from that. For a long time. And so that money helps to support the growth of this new idea, right? This new thing. And so 
I have the money to spend on investing in this new business that maybe requires a little bit more of me. Because that's the other thing about virtual assisting is that that barrier to entry is so low. You just basically need to have a personal computer and internet access and you can do almost anything. So I've been able to kind of shove things to the side. And now that I'm growing this other thing that needs more financial support to grow because blogging is not free. All of these other platforms and all these different connections and the email management system and the you know lead pages and ConvertKit and Facebook ads and all these things cost money. So I'm really happy that I have you know that one business that kind of was the mastermind behind this other business can help support it. And so yeah, so now I'm going into more of a paid marketing strategy. And after working for a couple of years in other people's businesses, I feel very confident that that will work. I know it will work. And I'm going to continue to build that way for the time being. Well, also, I love talking to people on podcasts. I love talking to people who are kind of in the same boat as me, where they have an audience that they want to serve well, and you can make those connections and help to build each other's businesses through things like this, um, through podcasts, through talking with them and just making those connections. And there's a couple different podcasts that I listen to that talk a lot about just connecting with people and, and letting that drive the development of your business. And I think that that's very true. Yeah. I've found that with me, with my business of the connections that I've made and the relationships that I've made have been probably more powerful than any other step that I've taken to grow my business at this point. I also do. And I, this is one of the things I'm like most excited about going to the classroom and I'm nervous that COVID's going to have destroyed this, but just like walking into the person next door's room and just like standing in the door and having a two minute conversation that like 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, I need to go. But there's just that camaraderie and knowing that that's kind of the position that you're all in. Okay. I have my three rapid fire questions. What is your favorite social media platform? Okay. For business, I was gonna say, I'm not much of a social media. Okay. So I'm not much of a social media person personally. Um, like COVID, like I just kind of got off social media altogether. I was kind of sick of hearing negative things. And so for business purposes, right now it's Facebook, but I have the mindset that especially with social media as a business owner, you have to kind of go one platform as at a time. Otherwise you become very overwhelmed. And I think that Facebook with the demographic that I'm looking at speaking to, which is people kind of in that 25 to 45 year old range, that Facebook is, is what they grew up with quote unquote, basically it started when they were in college. And so they stuck with it. Um, and so then after that, I'll move to Instagram. So for business purposes right now, I think I, I like Facebook. I like things that are offered on Facebook, but I do definitely see the, why it would be worthwhile to move to something like Instagram or even TikTok or um, sharing content through YouTube, even though that's not like a social media thing. I, the comments on YouTube, I've heard a couple of times that it's predominantly a search engine with a community social piece to it. The ability to add comments and also share videos like that, make it kind of put it into that realm a little bit more. Um, But I do think it's harder to generate a good following um, per se, if people aren't used to that platform where Facebook, I think feel like you can kind of guide them through what you want them to do next a little bit easier. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite tool or software that you use for your business? 
So I know a lot of people on your podcast recently have talked about Canva, and I think that's because that's just our world in the online business world at this point. But for me, the one that I think is the most underutilized that is my absolute favorite is Adobe Acrobat Pro DC. Oh, And I love it for the ability to create fillable PDFs and auto-fillable PDFs that I think are awesome for the classroom. It's actually one of the tools I teach on in that little course thing that I created. And it's because I think it's so great. Teachers should be using it. <laughs> so that's, that's the one that I, I, I use it daily in the kind of stuff that I do. But most people have no idea what it is or what it does. And I, I think it's pretty special. And then what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out on their teacherpreneur journey? So I think that what I would say is what you choose to do tomorrow doesn't have to be what you're going to do forever. And it kind of comes back to that. Like, I think when we were in school and we were deciding to become teachers, we really believed that teaching was going to be our forever. We really believed that was what we were going to do for the rest of our lives. And I grew up in a generation who was often the first of their family members to go to college or like when, when I was going through college, everybody went to college and we've kind of shifted away from that where it's me. It's a little bit more acceptable to go to trade school and to try these other things or go, not go to school at all. Like we see how content can be shared in different ways now. But back then, you know, if, if you wanted to be successful and you wanted to, you know, have a great career, you needed to go to college and you needed to make a decision when you were 18 about what you were going to do for the rest of your life. And that's not true anymore. And so when you're considering, like, do I want to do this next thing? Do I want to approach the online business world? Or even as an online business owner, if you started your business in TPT, you don't have to stay there just because that's what you've been doing. If you don't really love it, there are so many other directions you can go, so many other things you can do. And so what you, it kind of comes back to what you decide to do tomorrow is not the end. You know, just make a decision and start it. And, and you kind of hit on that earlier with my journey as far as it was nice to finally make a decision. And yes, I wish I would have made that decision a lot sooner because now I realize that that decision was not as big as I was making it out to be because that decision was just the first step of many different pivots and turns that have happened since then. And I think listening to like your story and then obviously knowing my own story, I also didn't start with what I'm doing now, right? Like I I did TPT first and I tried to do a course and I, you make those steps and you fail or you don't love it. And, but you continue and same with you, like you, you started as the VA and I know you are still doing virtual assisting for people, Mm -hmm. but there's been changes in your business and where you're headed is not where you are right now. Right. Like it's going to grow. Absolutely. And in the virtual assistant world, I see a lot of people who get really hung up on things like branding their business and coming up with the perfect logo and trying to decide what they're going to name their business and trying to decide things like um, what they're going to do, what services are they going to offer? Well, the, the truth and actuality of that is you just need to offer something, like start by offering something. I used to offer editing services because I was in English teacher, like a language arts teacher. That's, that's what I did. I did it every single day. It was an easy transition for me. And the way it turns out is that I don't do any editing anymore. None, not a single bit of editing, because even though it paid me really well, I hated it. It was just one of those jobs. It was actually the thing that I looked forward to the least 
in my week. And so I got to the point with that client that I just said, I'm shifting. I'm not going to be doing editing anymore. If you want to work with me on any of these other things, I'd be happy to add you into my schedule. But at this point, editing is, is not for me anymore. And as a business owner, I get to do that, first of all. But it's crazy. Like I thought editing would be the easiest thing and that I would really enjoy it once I wasn't doing it for school. And it is more fun to do it for money than for school. But <laughs> it, but it was not enough. It's not what I wanted to do in my free time. And at that point in my business, I was still teaching full time. And so my business was taking part of my free time. But it was a thing and it got me started. And then I decided I didn't want to do it. And so I just was done with it. And it's okay to do that. It is okay to make the decision that you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I think it's important too, to to do those things and try them because if you don't try, then you'll never know because you might've loved editing, but if for whatever reason you decided you you weren't even going to try or you were too afraid to take Mm -hmm. that step, then you never would have realized, no, I hate it. I don't want to do it. I'm going to do other things and found the things that are actually fulfilling to you. Yeah. And I see, I see people entering the online business world. They get caught up for months on coming up with the right opt-in or coming up on with the first freebie for TPT or coming up with, you know, it's that first thing. And they think that thing is going to be the end all be all of their business. And in actuality, you talk to most online business owners and the opt-in they're using right now is not the opt-in that they were using like 35 later. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, you're not going to get it right every time and it's okay. It is okay not to get it right on the first time. And so that's why it comes back to like, you know, what you decide to do tomorrow is not the end. And so just make a decision, try something. If it fails, it fails. You move on. Or if you just decide you hate it, you hate it, move on. Right. And that's, that's the biggest thing. And it's, it's more than just starting. It's about not getting hung up in that analysis paralysis, you know, One of the books I read when I was very, very, when I was in the very beginning, um, I couldn't tell you like what even topic it was on, let alone the name of it now, but it stuck with me forever. This one part that said, there's this brand that has an apple and what side of the apple is the the bite taken out of? And I was like, are they talking about apple? Like the, the apple logo? And I, like, I, I wasn't even hundred percent sure, but I was like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Apple. And they're like, what's the first memory you have of interacting with that brand? And I was like, well, I bought a Mac and blah. And I was thinking, and later it came out that it was Apple in fact. And I still couldn't tell you years later, what side the Apple's bitten on. I'm talking to you through a Mac right now. I could just turn my computer. I know I can't even tell you. (laughs) Right. But the whole point of the paragraph was like, what's the, what's the first memory you have of that brand? And I could instantly tell you. And then they also said, what's the last memory you have of that brand? And what feelings do you get when you think about Apple? And I was like, it was so powerful to me because in that moment, I couldn't have even told you if the Apple was white, Mm -hmm. like if that was the color. And that was the whole point of it. Like what font is McDonald's written in? I don't know, but I could tell you some of my first memories of McDonald's and some of my more recent and most powerful memories of McDonald's, right? And that changed branding for me forever because it really isn't in the colors or what side of the apple is bitten or the font that you use. It's those feelings that surround your brand and how people feel when they interact with you and when they interact with your brand and that message that you're giving. It's so much bigger. Yes. And so if anyone is struggling with that brand paralysis, then I hope that my little 
half memory <laughs> of a paragraph helps you to get over it. And yeah. Yeah. It was just one of those things like in Canvas so great now because you can go in and pick one of their pre-designed like styles, like their little palettes. And I just tell everybody like, start there, like just literally pick your favorite one out of there and then don't change it. Just let it be what it is. Later on, when you have like, you've made some money and stuff like that, pay somebody else to make a brand that you really love, you know, but don't get hung up on this because this is not going to make a difference in the grand scheme of things. And, And branding can go a long way, but not when you're just beginning. Like you don't even know who you are yet. You don't know what your business is going to be yet. Like don't get so hung up on something that you feel like has to be your forever thing. You know, just pick up some colors and put your name on something and call it a logo, like going to Canva, pick a template, you know, and just move on. Then, then go get a client. Yeah. Because the client is going to be paying you and is what's going to make your business actually be a business. Yeah. And you'll gain confidence from that. And once you gain that confidence, then you feel like, okay, this is a real thing. Now I get to decide what's important. But before you've started is not the time to try to make something like branding really important. You know, it's not important yet. It'll be important once you actually are getting paid by somebody and this business is a real thing, then let it be more important. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Jenzea. I I really enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy being real about people who are familiar with the teaching profession and kind of the ins and outs, but also somebody who's familiar with the online business world and kind of sees how those things marry together so well. So I've really enjoyed this conversation. It is such a like pocket of its own too. Teachers are different, I think, than a lot of other niches that you can work with. And so it there is really something valuable about knowing both sides of like the teacher's And then also the businesses and being able to marry them together and meet the very specific special needs of teachers. Absolutely. I completely agree. So if people want to find you, where should they go? The best place is just going to teacherva.com. Start there. And then from there, if you want to find me somewhere else, you'll be able to figure it out. Awesome. I will make sure that that is linked in the show notes. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to this week's inspiring story. If you'd like to share your story with us, then head to marketscalegrow.com forward slash journey and complete the quick application form. Then head to our community at marketscalegrow.com forward slash community so you can join our group of inspiring teacherpreneurs who are working on growing and scaling their businesses too. See you soon.